Good morning, everybody. Isn't that the goal that we should all have? The parting words of that song, with his likeness, let us wake. And that's truly, I think, the goal of every Christian, every believer, that we would wake uh, after this long testing in his likeness. That we would be as 1 John 3 says, that we, would, we don't know exactly what we will be, but we will be like him. Uh, and so that's a blessing to think about. I'm so encouraged to be here with you all, and uh, thank you for the honor of uh, allowing me to, to be able to speak and share a portion of God's Word with you. And I pray that, just as Blake said, that it's simply the words of God that are spoken and, and that you leave edified. That's the goal uh, that we all have as we stand here uh, before you as we share God's word. So uh, the passage that was read this morning, Colossians 2, 1 through 7, that's going to be uh, a central theme. If you could open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. have my wife, Lisa, and daughter, Abby, with me this morning. Hope you get to know them, and I hope that we all get to know each other better uh, this morning. So blessed to be with you all. In this book, I, I don't know how you are in terms of uh, looking for patterns in, in the Bible, but I, I try to do that, and I find that's a good way to remember what you read. And, and to keep it with you and carry it with you throughout the week so that you reflect on it and uh, that you keep it in your heart and uh, it uh, helps you as you walk through uh, life's journey. But there are several patterns that we find in the book of Colossians. The first, uh, an example of, of a pattern, uh, you could say, is the preeminence of Christ. You find that in the first chapter, uh, that the preeminence of Christ is declared. It says that, uh, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's Colossians 1.15. And uh, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on the earth. Uh, he is uh, before all things, verse 17. And in him all things consist. Uh, that... In all things, he may have the preeminence. The uh, he's in charge. He should have. He should be the first choice, the first thing we think of. The 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 who guides our every decision and every thought, um, and through whom and by whom all things are made. In the second chapter, we find that his preeminence is defended. Um, it talks about how. Uh, he, uh, we are complete in him, verse 10. Um, we find that we are, um, we're to be rooted and grounded in him. And that we are to abound in him and become, that way we can become a perfect man. In chapter 3, we, we find that preeminence of Christ is really demonstrated. So it's declared in, in chapter 1, defended in chapter 2, and demonstrated in chapter 3, where it describes how uh, 
he is now sitting at the right hand of God. Because of all that he accomplished, he has that place of glory at the right hand of God. And us, if we are in Christ, it's because we've died to the old man. And now our life is hidden with Christ. And our hope is that we will appear with him in glory when he appears again. That's an example of a pattern in Colossians. Uh, There's one uh, other pattern that I see, and that is the the idea of of a treasure. The idea of, of something hidden that's now been revealed. We find this in verse uh, 5 of chapter 1, that there's a hope that's laid up for us in heaven. That's something uh, that's reserved. It's, it's on deposit, if you will, for us in heaven. Uh, verse 12 says that, <clears throat> that Christ qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the, the saints. So there's an inheritance there. Verse 26 There's a mystery that's been hidden from ages and generations that's now revealed to them. God made known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Uh, Christ in you. So there's a mystery that before was hidden in prior ages and now it's been revealed. And that's that Christ can dwell within us and also that he can dwell within amongst all of us, and not just the Jews, but also Gentiles. And then uh, chapter 3, verse 3, our life is hidden with Christ in God. So we find this idea of something that was hidden or a mystery that's now been revealed, and and now we can understand the fullness of, of what we have in Christ. So Focusing in on that idea of a treasure, that idea of uh, kind of the uh, revelation of the what's been promised before, that they only understood, you could say, a shadow of what was to come. And now we see the fullness of what God had prepared for us through Christ. It starts out in in Colossians 2. We're going to focus on verse uh, 3. That in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. But let's start in the first verse. He says, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. He says, kind of like a parent would say, uh, I want you to know how difficult it's been and how much I've gone through for you. Um, what it's been like to raise you, how many challenges I've gone through. Uh, what value do you think it, it, there is for them to understand what Paul had been through, the hard things? Well, obviously they would realize Paul must really love us. He must really want us to, to know Christ and want us to be saved. Uh, certainly that would be part of it. As he goes on, he says uh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance 
of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Go back in verse 2. What's the purpose of what he was writing? That their hearts may be encouraged, that they be knit together in love, and that they attain to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, both of the Father and of Christ. So isn't that the purpose for why we're here today? We're here today so that we can be encouraged. Our hearts can be encouraged. We can leave here better people than when we arrived because of some things that we're going to be reminded of and some new things, hopefully, that we'll learn. That we'll all grow together. We'll be knit together in love. That uh, we'll have a greater desire to serve one another and uh, to know one another. And then also we see here this idea of the having a full assurance of understanding that we are sure of what we believe and that we can understand it more more richly have a greater depth to it um, but he says here in this verse 3 about Christ that once we understand Christ that there there's so much more than we could possibly imagine about Christ that is worth our exploration, that's worth our searching and our digging. Because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, it says. And isn't that the, the popular movies, at least, there's been so many that talk about a treasure that... Uh, explorers are searching for or some like the national national treasure was one where there was a a map that was hidden on the constitution right and it was in lettering that can only be determined if there was a special kind of a light that uh was shone upon that and then it it was going to be revealed and and it sent them all these different places um you know, there's, there's that element in so many different movies. The idea of a, a treasure that uh, many explorers, pirates, would spend their whole lives searching for. But the treasure that we have in Christ is so much richer than all of that. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that's not re- what people really believe today, is it? Think of what the people in the world, the uh, academians of the world, the, uh, all of the political leaders, what would be the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Well, I think even just the average person would say, you can't find it in one person. You can't find it in one place. You need to, you need to go and talk to all of these uh, higher fields of learning, you need to, you're going to get a lot from places like Harvard and, and Yale. But you also need to go talk to the Dalai Lamas of the world. And you need to talk to uh, all the, the spiritual leaders that you can find and all the scientists and the academians. And then you might come to a greater uh, consensus of, of what 
wisdom and knowledge really means. You can't just get it in one place. That's what I think we, we hear today. Or you might have somebody say, well, it's really, you need to go visit someone in a cave somewhere. Uh, there's a guy that's going to be smoking a pipe. You need to go talk to him. He's got a really long beard and a long robe, and you need to climb this high mountain to get to him. You know, you might have that kind of an answer. Or if you take this drug or this smoke this thing, you're going to know a lot more. There's a lot of different answers out there, isn't there, really, about how we would come to uh, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But here Paul says, all those things are found in Christ. Is there anybody that you can think of in Bible times that God granted an incredible amount of wisdom and knowledge to? How about Solomon? I think a lot of you were thinking that, and that's exactly what came to my mind. In Luke chapter 11, we find Jesus talking about Solomon. Luke chapter 11, verse 29. And when the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in, the judgment, up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. You could have a study of all the times that Jesus says, a greater than so-and-so is here. Uh, you hear a greater than Jonah, uh, a greater than Solomon, there's a greater than Abraham, a greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than all of these Old Testament characters that the Jews put so much trust in. But it's interesting that speaking about Solomon, look at that verse 31 and notice what it says about him. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. How far have you come to get to Christ? How far did you come? I'm not speaking of today, uh, how far you traveled, although that shows your faith, reveals your uh, where your priorities are. But I'm speaking of how far did you have to come in your journey to find Christ? How much did you have to give up? Um, certainly, here Jesus is saying that this Queen of the South, otherwise known as Queen of Sheba, traveled a great distance from the end of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon because she valued wisdom and knowledge. And uh, we should be willing 
in our journey to go wherever we need to go to follow Christ and to pursue Christ. If you were a Jew, you held Solomon in very high esteem. And for good reason, because he, what did he do when God asked him what he would choose? Would you rather have riches? A long life? What, what would you like? He laid it all out there. Choose anything that you'd like. And Solomon said, I would like wisdom to know how to lead this people. <clears throat> that was a great request. And God granted that wisdom. Let's, let's read about him in 1 Kings chapter 10. And I want to make a, a, a bold statement there as we read this. That I think that you'll see Solomon and you'll find that in Solomon, he's really a type of Christ. And the Queen of the South is really representative of you and I. And... She is representative of the kind of links, the kind of uh, journey that we would make, that we should make in order to, to know Christ, in order to learn the wisdom that Christ is hidden in Christ. So we find in this chapter 10 of 1 Kings that when the Queen of Sheba heard of the famous Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices, very much gold, and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Didn't people do that with Jesus? When they came to Jesus, they bore their heart to him. And they, they really saw who they were. I mean, remember, uh, remember Peter... Remember Peter that when he, uh, when he saw in Luke chapter 5, when he was out, professional fisherman, fishing there in the bay all night, he caught nothing. And Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side. And when he did that, so many fish were caught that they couldn't even contain them in the net. What was Peter's response? Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. So he, he's aware of who he was, and that's really uh, what Jesus does, is he makes us aware of who we are. We find that with uh, this desire to learn about Solomon and to understand why this reputation about Solomon was so widespread, what was so great about this man? Um, it says that she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway, by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. No more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. 
look at that. She, she observed how he lived. She observed his sermons. She listened to his wisdom. She took in his lifestyle and his teachings, and it said that there was no more spirit in her. She, her breath was taken away, you could say. Isn't that really what we find in Peter in that example? Lord, depart from me. I don't know what to say. I, I, here I am thinking that I know what fishing is. And you control the ocean and the fish and the whole universe. And who am I to even be in your presence? That's what we find with Peter. Isn't this the right view? Look at, look at what she goes on to say. It was a true report I heard in my own land about your words and wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants, who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. And then she gave him many gifts. Isn't this really strange if you think about to hear from a queen? A queen of a, a, a very uh, prominent country that I'm really jealous of your servants is really what she says. Oh, to be one of your servants, to be one of your men and to stand before you and to always be able to hear your wisdom and your knowledge. To be like them. Isn't that the right view of life, though? That to be able to be in the presence of Jesus Christ, where we have access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that it, we can be a simple servant and find ourselves very happy. Happy above measure because we have more than what we need. Here, Solomon's servants were... She said, happy are, are your servants just to be before you and to, to hear your wisdom and knowledge. What a blessing she's saying that that, that must be. But yet, so much more in Christ than was there with Solomon. So much greater treasures uh, She's really saying, I would give up my position, if I could, to be one of your servants. I would surrender as queen if I could, uh, it seems like she might even be saying that. If I could just be in your presence and hear and understand the wisdom that, that you have to impart. So what kind of things do, does Solomon share? Notice in Proverbs... Some things that he imparts that are valuable. 
that you could, uh, you could see. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 2. The proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Uh, so knowing, discerning sayings of understanding. Is that not really a defining quality of wisdom to be able to discern things that might, others might not be able to discern? Uh, verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. So to be able to teach these things in a way that even the common man could understand. Um, verse um, Verse 33, that's Proverbs 1, verse 33. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So someone who would uh, take heed to what Solomon was saying would dwell in safety, would be, uh, be protected. Then you find in chapter 2, verse 4. If you seek after my words as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So that's a great value is, is to realize that just as silver was valuable, the things that Solomon had to impart had great value. Chapter 3, verse 2. Starting in verse 1, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Who doesn't want long life and peace? Uh, Verse 8, Health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Verse 17 and 18, Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are those who retain her. So, long life, good health, real understanding of things, people honoring you, the ability to make good decisions, understanding things that other people don't. Uh, Don't you think that's an attractive list of all the things that Solomon had to share and impart? Um, And yet... Jesus says, a greater than Solomon is here. A greater than Solomon is here. So what will listening to Jesus bring you? I pledge to you that for all the wisdom and, wisdom and, and, and knowledge that Solomon could impart, that there are some things that he was lacking. First of all, he was lacking a true life-changing quality to his message. We, we see here that we are now hidden. Life is hidden in Christ. Our life is now hidden with Christ. We are no longer who we were before. Um, we are now complete in Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 10, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That cannot be said about Solomon. There was no finding our fulfillment in Solomon or finding um, all that we've been searching for in Solomon. Certainly, the motivation to do the right thing, to live the right kind of life, couldn't really be found in Solomon. 
Now, he was revealing God's words, certainly. Uh, All the words that were written in Proverbs were not Solomon's, but were God's that he revealed to Solomon. That's important to remember. But in Christ, so Solomon had words to share, knowledge to share that came from God, but in Christ, we actually are not only... Not only are we taking in his words and, and living by his wisdom and his knowledge, but we're actually to be living in him. We're actually to be conforming to his image. Let's look at some uh, points here about in the, just the book of Colossians. I think we can find all we need to understand about what is in Christ. What does it mean? What do we achieve by coming into Christ? We know that the Bible is written like a narrative and that we have to dig. That's uh, so adds to this idea of treasure being hidden in Christ. We have to dig for all the treasures that are truly in Christ. But notice, um, first of all, who the Colossians were before. Notice that they were alienated. Chapter 1 and verse 21 says that you were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death. So taking a wretched, alien, uh, foreign, opposed, rebel to God's will and bringing him back into uh, in line with God's will in accordance with God's will that could only be done through Christ Um, so the goals of our are pursuing this uh, these hidden treasures in Christ what are the goals of pursuing that we find in the very beginning of this book in verse 9 of chapter 1, For this reason also we, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 9 says that our goal is to be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? So that we would be pleasing, fully pleasing Him, fruitful in every good work. It's not knowledge for knowledge's sake. It's not wisdom so we can just impress people with how smart we are. It's so that we can be pleasing to God. It's so that we can be fruitful in every good work. That's the goal of what we're doing. Notice um, that this would even be accomplished among the Gentiles. That was one of the great mysteries. Something Solomon could have never done is to really 
is to really change the hearts of the Gentiles and bring them into God's kingdom. And chapter um, chapter 1, verse 27, starting in 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So somehow Christ in us would be able to convince the Gentiles that God also loved them and wanted them to come into his kingdom. That the way that um, they were to be would convince other people to also want to know God and also want to understand the riches of all that God had to share. All the riches that were hidden, the fact that we would have an inheritance with him, the fact that we would um, no longer be alienated from him. We would be brought into him. So the way that we live today, that's the message for me, the way that I live can help somebody else want to know God, can help somebody else want to um, give up that old life and become like Christ. So, as you think about um, as you think about so many things that we have with Christ, notice all of the, let's talk about just all these things that are hidden, hidden treasures. Hidden treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. Let's start with chapter 1 and verse 12. That we should give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So, we were not God's children, but he adopted us. And uh, we're pursuing adoption right now, so this is especially close to our hearts as we think about all that adoption really means. The idea that you would take a child that you don't, in our case, we don't really know a lot about the origin of, of, of the parents and everything, but we're, we're really, um, we're taking a child that's very different from us. And we're bringing it into our family. And, and, and uh, that child would share in everything that would, be, that would be the blessings of our family and, you know, all of that. So in the case of, of God, though, he took an undeserving, rebellious people. With us, we're taking an innocent child. He's taking a rebellious people, and he's bringing them into his kingdom. And he's giving them an inheritance with his saints. That's an amazing idea. Verse 20. The idea of uh, it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. The idea of reconciling everything to him. 
And Jesus said that, didn't he? If I be raised up, I will draw all men unto me. John chapter 3. If I am raised up, and he certainly did so in his crucifixion, he drew all men, uh, all cultures, all races, he drew them all unto him. He reconciled all things. So that's new. There's no longer anything else we're waiting for. It's a finality. We're not waiting for a new Redeemer. So we, we have an inheritance with the saints. That's a new motivation. We, we have, we've been reconciled to God. That's a finality. That's new, a new finality. We have a hope of glory. Verse 27 of this chapter 1. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So there's a new glory. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 10. We find Paul saying, Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Do you hear that? That there's a new way that we're going to view people. There's a new way that we're going to view all cultures and all races. We're not going to look based on the color of skin or the language that someone speaks. We're going to view things differently because what Christ did is that there, he made it so that there is no longer, we're all conforming to his image. We're all conforming to his, so there's no longer the idea of Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave or free. So the socioeconomic scale doesn't matter. The culture that we come from doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ. Male or female, we're all one in Christ. Uh, There is a new ability to forgive. Chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. As any, If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. That's something Solomon didn't offer. Because he had no ability to forgive. Christ forgave us of things that are unimaginable. And so that enables us to forgive one another. It should make it a lot easier for us to overlook the differences. And to be patient, as Kelly was teaching us about this morning with one another. We, we have a greater ability to forgive one another. That's new in Christ. Uh, the way we worship is new. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. <clears throat> the way that husband and wife treat each other. Is that not new in Christ? In verse 18 of this chapter, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives 
and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Um, we find in the book of Ephesians the idea that uh, husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. That can only be understood in Christ. Solomon had a lot of wisdom to share, but this is transformative as far as the way that husbands and wives should treat each other. Um, and that's definitely new in Christ. Um, we find that the attitude that husbands and wives should have to each other in forgiving one another uh, should come a lot easier when we think about Christ on the cross and what did he say to the Father? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So the little quarrels that we have in a marriage relationship should be forgiven um, much more easily when we think of that. How about the ways that employees and employers treat one another? Verse two, there, uh, 22 of Colossians 3, Bondservants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, because we're serving Christ in all that we do. So if I'm working for a boss that's unpleasant, doesn't treat me right, uh, talks down to me, whatever, I serve Christ. I'm working for Christ. And so that's my focus. Um, and then, um, chapter 4, finally, the way that we look at our, uh, our time. Notice what he says about that. Chapter, five, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The way that we view our time is new in Christ. And the wisdom and the knowledge that he has shared with us help us know how we should spend our time. And one of the examples he brings up is that in the way that we speak to those that are outside of Christ, we're going to have our speech seasoned with salt so that we know how to uh, answer them in a way that will uh, lead them to Christ. So the way that we think about our time and using our time is different if you're in the body of Christ. It's different if you've uh, surrendered your life to Christ. Your, your time is no longer your own. And so all of these, these ways we just talked about a few in which uh, we find all these hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge that change and shape the way that we live every day. Um, I hope that this lesson has been encouraging to you. As you think about Solomon and how far the queen came to, to get to know Solomon and to hear his teaching and to understand why he was the talk of of, of the town, you could say. And she was impressed with him. But Christ, Christ says, I'm much greater than Solomon is here. And we have the blessing of seeing it um, 
we, we could have been like her and just had Solomon, but we have Christ. And we can now see and, and benefit in all the blessings that come from being in Christ. Thank you for your kind attention. Um, if anyone is subject to the, the message of the gospel, then we always want to offer that to anyone who be here is here this morning that is not in Christ, you've not surrendered your life to Christ, make it known. You can talk with, uh, you talk with Blake, Richard, Kelly, you know, uh, Robin, any, any of the men here would love to talk with you about uh, submitting your life to Christ. If that be your desire this morning, please come now while we stand and sing.